Sometimes our inner voice can feel a lot more like an inner critic and we can get pulled into a cycle of negative thoughts and negative emotions that actually hurt our ability to think clearly. And this can lead to rumination, anxiety, and even self-sabotage. Chatter by Ethan Cross is about how to tame and properly harness our inner voice so that we can make the most of introspection and self-reflection while avoiding some of these negative implications when it comes to chatter. So with that in mind, let's dive into my three favorite insights from the book, beginning with insight number one. While introspection is often helpful, chatter is not. Our inner voice is what ultimately gives us the ability to reflect on past mistakes and past experiences and make predictions about how to handle certain events and situations in the future. And so it's an incredibly powerful ability. And in many ways, it's what separates us from other species on the planet. And this is something we do not want to give up. We don't want to ignore our ability to engage in introspection and reflection. But at the same time, it's very important to note that not all introspection is positive or helpful. And so chatter, as explained in the book, is the dark side of introspection. And ultimately, this is where we fall into a trap or into a negative cycle of thoughts and emotions that actually limit our ability to engage in things like productive thinking and logical reasoning and coming up with correct choices in life. So it's very important to understand the difference here. We do want introspection, but at the same time, we want to avoid falling into the trap of chatter. Now, the way that chatter really affects us negatively, as explained in the book, is that often what it causes us to do is narrow our focus on a few seemingly insignificant things. If we look at the big picture, they're relatively insignificant, but chatter has us zoom in on these things and hyper-focus on them and overestimate their importance, and ultimately this can really limit our ability to act or make a correct choice or simply engage in some kind of an activity. So I'll give you a few quick examples. Public speaking, you know, we might very naturally have the ability to talk with friends and family and to carry on a conversation and to express our thoughts and feelings on a variety of subjects. And yet, if we're in a situation where we're performing publicly or speaking to a large audience, we might fall into chatter where we start to focus our mind on small components of what it is that we're doing. So for example, we might start to think, you know, am I doing a good job of explaining these ideas? Have I made a mistake? Have I stumbled over some words? Maybe we start to focus in on that. And the idea here is we narrow our focus onto these things that in the grand scheme of things almost certainly don't matter, but when we focus in on them, we contribute some of our mental resources to doing so, and we actually limit our ability to simply engage in the activity and to be fully present. And perhaps a better example, another example from the book, would be trying to throw a fastball pitch or engage in some kind of a learned or practiced ability that really is the sum of its parts. So for example, when you're throwing a fastball pitch in baseball, it's not so much a matter of you know focusing on each muscle movement, it's about the entire experience and really falling into a flow state and simply engaging in the activity that you're pursuing. And yet, what can happen when we start to make mistakes and we fall into these negative thought patterns is suddenly we start to second guess everything and we're analyzing every single individual component of that skill that we're trying to execute. And by doing so, again, some of our mental energy is consumed in an ineffective way by trying to monitor how we're executing something. 
but also we simply get pulled away from being fully engaged in the activity itself. So kind of part of our brain starts to think, am I doing this right? Am I doing that right? Maybe here's a motion I really need to, you know, nail perfectly in the case of a fastball pitch, but we start to be consumed by minor aspects of an overall skill or ability. And so this is one example of how chatter can work. And this is far from the only example, but it's an example of how we end up focusing in on one aspect or perhaps a few aspects. We overestimate their importance and perhaps we also you know, limit our ability to fully engage in the activity. Now it's worth noting, chatter can take many forms. It can lead to rumination, it can lead to us worrying about the future. It can lead to us being indecisive in the moment. And ultimately, most of this comes down to this zooming in effect where we narrow our focus and we start to identify relatively minor things and we increase their importance. We become obsessed with them. And in reality, what's really going on here, to really put it succinctly and to the point, we're losing perspective. We're zooming in, we're overestimating the importance of something, and we're losing the big picture. So with that in mind, let's continue on to insight number two. Create mental distance to get a better perspective. A common response to chatter is to try to divert our attention or distract ourselves in some way to avoid these negative thoughts and emotions. And while some studies, as pointed out in the book, support the idea that this can, in the short term, improve the way that we feel, it's not a real solution. The thoughts, the emotions, they remain and they will bubble back up to the surface again in the future. And so it's not effective to simply ignore self-reflection or introspection. Instead, what we want to do is change the way that we think about these thoughts and emotions and to adjust our approach so that we can deal with them much more effectively. And one of the best strategies, the key theme in the book here is creating mental distance, giving ourselves the ability to see our thoughts and emotions for what they are by gaining an outsider's perspective. And just to drive this point home, Think about what it is often like when you see someone else dealing with negative thoughts and negative emotions and they come to you for support. Oftentimes, the solution to their problem is painfully obvious and yet they aren't able to see it for themselves. So they might be dealing with something where their thoughts and emotions are clouding their judgment, but you as an outsider, when you're outside of the situation and you're not personally experiencing the chatter, Oftentimes, it's very clear what they can do to either move away from the issue or to permanently resolve the issue. And so that's kind of what we're trying to achieve here. We want to get that objective perspective. We want to be outside of ourselves, seeing the situation for what it is, so that way we're in a position to come up with a better solution or to tackle the problem more effectively or to at very least think more clearly about what it is that we're dealing with. So with that in mind, let's continue on to insight number three, seven powerful techniques for creating distance. Fortunately, there are proven strategies for dealing with chatter more effectively. So let's quickly explore seven of the most powerful options, or at least the options that stood out most to me as I was going through the book, beginning with use distanced self-talk. The idea here is when you're thinking about negative thoughts or negative emotions, rather than using words like I or me, we want to use our own name. 
And obviously this is happening in our heads. We're not talking to others like this. We don't wanna appear crazy, but what we do wanna do is create distance between what it is that we're experiencing and the way that we talk about it. So for example, instead of thinking, why am I distracted this morning? You might ask instead, why is Rick distracted this morning, obviously using your name. But the idea here is instead of saying I, which is naturally gonna include thoughts and emotions and negative feelings because I'm really, in, some, in a way, attacking myself as an individual, by using Rick, I kind of have an outsider perspective where I'm thinking about, well, why is Rick distracted? What's causing Rick to be distracted? And I can look at the situation more objectively and just look at you know various stimuli or other things that might be going on in the environment that are causing me to ultimately be distracted. So this very simple trick, it might seem very insignificant, but changing the way that we talk about what is actually happening and shifting from I or me to the outside observer's perspective can be incredibly powerful when it comes to how we think about these kinds of challenges. Number two, imagine advising a friend. Now, I kind of alluded to this earlier, and in my opinion, this is the single most powerful technique in the book, or at least the kind of thing that I've turned to in the past and I find incredibly useful. So the idea here is when you're dealing with a difficult situation or with embarrassment or with stress or anxiety or anything else that might be going wrong, Think about somebody else dealing with the situation. If a friend came to you with the exact same challenge that they were dealing with, think about what advice you would give them for dealing with the exact same situation. And then of course, just apply that advice to yourself. And this is one of the most powerful ways to create mental distance and to think more objectively around what is actually happening and what are the obvious ways in which you can improve the situation or move it towards resolution. So just simply think about how you would help somebody else in your exact situation. Number three, broaden your perspective. The idea here is to think about other situations that either you or other people that are similar to you have dealt with in the past as it relates to whatever you might be dealing with in the moment. So if you're dealing with an incredibly difficult or stressful situation, it helps to broaden your perspective and to think about other situations where you've dealt with similar difficulty or similar emotions or in which other people, either heroes of yours or other people that you know personally, how they've dealt with similar situations. And the idea here is to remind yourself that even some of the most difficult and unexpected challenges that you may be facing, ultimately are not too dissimilar to things that you or other people like you have dealt with in the past. And simply by doing this, we can get a more grounded perspective in terms of what it is that we're dealing with. Number four, reframe your experience as a challenge. So instead of thinking about a problem or a difficulty as an annoyance or as a threat or as something that you're forced to deal with, it often helps to reframe that situation as a personal challenge, as an opportunity for you to test yourself, to overcome difficulty, and ultimately to persevere. And in many ways, this is a bit of a stoic mindset where this is a test. This is an opportunity for you to personally overcome a difficult situation rather than think about it as this thing that you just have to face and that's being done to you. And so this simple reframing can often make the entire situation not only easier to deal with, but a much more positive experience. Number five, reinterpret your body's chatter response. 
This is a really powerful concept. And the first time I ever heard about this was from author Mel Robbins. And the way that she explained it is that when you're dealing with the kinds of feelings in your body, whether it's increased heart rate, or you're starting to sweat, or you're feeling stressed, or anxious, or nervous, well, when you're having those feelings, instead of describing yourself as nervous, you can reframe the exact same feelings and describe yourself as being excited for a challenge. So for example, if you're about to perform publicly in front of people and you're experiencing the very natural changes in your body in terms of your heart rate and these kinds of things, rather than framing that as nervousness, which oftentimes is just self-reinforcing because we feel nervous, now we're nervous about being nervous and you know it only gets worse, rather than going down that path, we simply reframe it and reinterpret that as excitement. I'm excited to take on a challenge. I'm excited for the opportunity to push through, to do something I haven't done before, or to get better at doing something I've done before, but still have a lot of opportunity to improve on. And so this simple reframing, just the concept of reframing is an incredibly powerful tool when it comes to our psychology. But in this specific situation, the idea is to reframe nervousness or nervous energy as excitement, and it's an incredibly powerful way to deal with these things that otherwise could lead to chatter and to all kinds of fears and concerns that really in the end are self-reinforcing and they further hurt your performance. Number six, engage in mental time travel. This is another really powerful tool and one that I've used in the past and in all likelihood you've used in the past as well. And the idea here is when we're dealing with a very difficult situation, it often helps to remember what it's going to feel like in the future when looking back on that situation. And obviously you haven't experienced this exact situation before, but Odds are you've experienced similar things in the past going back five, 10, maybe 15 years. And today, the way that you look back on those things can be indicative of how you will look back in the future on what it is you're dealing with right now in the present. So this is a very powerful way to gain perspective because if you've dealt with hardships in the past and you eventually overcome them to the point where literally today you don't even think about that aside from maybe a few lessons learned, well, the same is almost certainly going to be true in the future when you're reflecting back on what it is that you're dealing with in the present. And simply being aware of this can allow you to have a broader perspective and not get caught up in the narrowing of focus where you start to feel like this one moment is gonna be life altering, when in reality, it almost certainly is not going to be. Number seven, create order in your environment. This is important because chatter is often associated with a feeling that we are losing control of our thoughts, of our emotions, of the situation or the experience that we might be facing. And so one way to combat that feeling is to increase our sense of control in other ways, like tidying our home or tidying our office, making a list, or one of the more powerful ways is to create a routine or ritual that we engage with prior to chatter-inducing situations. This is very common among professional athletes and other performers where prior to engaging in a particular situation that might be chatter-inducing, they might, for example, if they're a professional hockey player, tuck in their jersey on one side. Maybe if they're a professional basketball player, they might engage in a consistent warm-up or some kind of routine like that. And what's really going on here is it creates familiarity and it creates a sense of control. So 
Often this is described as superstition, but really what's happening here is a routine that creates familiarity and control so that when we're engaging in a difficult situation, we have an increased sense of control. So those are seven techniques that you can use for overcoming chatter in your own life. And I should mention the book does cover additional methods, including tips and suggestions for how to help other people that might be experiencing chatter. So even if it's not you that's dealing with the negative thoughts and negative emotions, if you have a friend or family member that's experiencing chatter, there are also suggestions in the book for how to support them more effectively. Anyway, those are three of my favorite insights from Chatter by Ethan Cross. If you have any questions or comments about anything that we covered here, let me know down in the comment section and be sure to subscribe and visit rickkettner.com. That's where you can go to discover the very best books for entrepreneurs.